Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Sarah Soboleski. I am the Director of Outreach and Families here at the church in Sarasota, Florida. Thank you for inviting us into your homes this morning. We invite you to connect with us on Facebook, on YouTube, or on our website where you can learn more about the church. As um, you may have guessed, this is a pre-recorded service, but between today, Friday, when we're recording, and Sunday the 19th, Day of Hope will be happening on our campus. And we will be serving over 100 families this year, making sure that they are able to start their school year, wherever it starts, on uh, good footing. And it's a really important ministry, and uh, perhaps even more so this year. So we are um, prayerful today, and on uh, Sunday, the 26th, we will look forward to hearing from Day of Hope chairperson Marlene Petro, as well as Marsha Barson, more about Uh, how that went and look forward to enjoying some pictures of our day of hope. Um, We're very grateful and and thankful for their continued leadership. We are grateful for you too. We are grateful for the many ways you continue to support our ministry, our shared ministry at Church of the Palms, uh, including your giving, and we encourage you to keep doing so through these summer months. And there are a number of ways to give, as you now know. There are four ways to give, and you can see those on your screen. Thank you for your continued, continued support of our work here. Uh, As a reminder as well, we're hoping that you will send us photos or videos of you and your pets, furry or otherwise. We will take any pet that you may have, sending peace to our congregation. Of course, they may not actually be able to say peace be with you, but we know that that's what they hope for and that our pets are such a source of comfort during this challenging time. You may send those photos to Jackie Gomez, which uh, you can see her uh, address on the screen now as well. So we'll look forward to seeing your pets. Finally, our reopening advisory team has been monitoring the uh, COVID-19 virus and has decided that for the well-being and safety of our congregation, your safety and well-being, that it is best to postpone our in-person worship reopening date from August the 9th, which we had been targeting, to September 20th. We hope and pray that over this period of time, conditions will improve enough for us to be able to worship in person again. As always, we are continuing to monitor local conditions and all of the um, experts on this matter, and we will continue to keep you updated as to the viability of that date, again, September 20th. This is not news that any of us wanted, of course, but I have good news today as well. We're excited to tell you that um, we're planning a really fun in-person fall kickoff event on August 30th, and you may wonder, how is that possible? Well, after our online worship broadcast on that Sunday, August 30th, you will be invited to a fall kickoff drive-through on our campus where you'll receive gifts, goodies, books, food, and materials that'll launch us into our 2020-2021 theme, Fruit of the Spirit, and all of this without having to leave the comfort of your air-conditioned car. Mark it on your calendars. More details will follow. Let us now continue our worship. There's no space that is love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. 
Take me in with your arms spread wide Take me in like an orphan child Never let go, never leave my side I am holding on to you I am holding on to you In the middle of the storm Your wings. 
ask you today, Lord, to deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that paints hateful graffiti on synagogue walls. Deliver us from the evil of hate-filled public discourse. We pray, Lord, that you deliver deliver us from the evil of racial injustice. 
deliver us from the evil of our own indifference. And Lord, we also ask that you would rush to the aid, rush to the aid of educators trying to piece together an educational plan to serve well their loud and concerned constituencies. And rush to the aid, Lord, of first responders, especially those who are tired and burned out, those who are operating on fumes. And Lord, we ask you to rush to the aid of those who are feeling isolated, so very alone, so lacking in hope. And we beg you, Lord, rush to the aid of business owners who are at the end of their rope financially and emotionally. And Lord, all of us around the world are asking you to rush to the aid of scientists who are working diligently to find a vaccine for COVID-19. And Lord, we ask that you rush to the aid of our church staff who are pouring their hearts out to all of us in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And we turn to you, O God. We turn to you, O God, as we attempt to be agents, all of us, to be agents of hope, faith, love in these trying times. Open our eyes to see the needs of others and open our hearts to respond in Christ-like charity. Help us to help those who are indeed facing evil in their lives. Show us how to rush to their side offering aid and comfort and give us the wisdom to admit to others that we too need help and we too need comfort. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for this church and all churches who are ministering mightily in this day and time. Thank you for your guidance in all kinds of beautiful and wonderful ways. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of prayer so beautifully modeled by Jesus. We told us to pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks, Mike. As many of you are aware, our sister congregation, Temple Sinai, with whom we worship every Thanksgiving, was the victim of a hate crime this week. Anti-Semitic languages and swastikas were found spray-painted on their outside walls. This is not the first time that such terroristic crimes have been committed against them. We grieve with them and we stand against such acts of hate and prejudice. Dr. McConnell has been in touch with the leadership of Temple Sinai and has sent them a letter of support and solidarity on behalf of the Church of the Palms community. Many of you have received that letter in a recent email and you can find it on our website as well. 
Please join us in praying for our brothers and sisters and for the love of God to prevail against the evils of hate. Can we pray now together? Gracious God, we lift up our Jewish brothers and sisters with love who have once again been targeted with hate. Comfort our friends at Temple Sinai and give them peace. We know, O oh God, that only light can dispel the darkness, that only love can drive out hate. Make us instruments of your peace, beacons of your light, and vessels of your love. Amen. I think it is timely that we are focusing on spiritual disciplines over the summer, which are meant to bring the abundance of God into our lives, which is then poured out to others. Never has this felt more important than in the midst of this endless pandemic where acts of hate towards our brothers and sisters of color and of Jewish descent continue on. Friends, we hope and pray that developing spiritual disciplines will help keep us open to the mysterious work of God's grace in our hearts and in our world. So far, we have talked about prayer, solitude, study, fasting, and submission. Today, we get to take a look at meditation. To explore this theme, I have chosen a well-known story about two sisters recorded only in the Gospel of Luke. You will find it in the 10th chapter, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not see, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by so many things. There is a need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm curious, which sister do you most closely align with? Are you more like Martha, the worker bee, busy, 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 getting stuff done? Or are you more like Mary, and you can be found lingering, pondering, and hanging on every word Jesus whispers? You see, Jesus can just whisper because you're such an attentive listener. Well, I have one thing to say to all of your, you Marys. Somebody's gotta make the bologna sandwiches. When I think this is where we start to get into trouble with this passage, we treat the Mary and Martha archetypes like a mutually exclusive either-or choice with just a smidge of superiority in whichever camp we happen to land in. And then we defend whichever side most reflects us out of fear and shame of being wrong or corrected 
all the while without listening to each other. And when we do that, we dislocate the body of Christ. We dislocate ourselves from each other. Well, this is the poison we find ourselves in today, isn't it? All of those binary choices that inflame people while ignoring the person. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you pro-life or pro-choice? Are you a Black Lives Matter person or an All Lives Matter person? Are you pro-black or pro-cop? Society says, pick a side and defend it. Divide yourselves. This is not what Jesus says. We treat the Mary and Martha story and all of these situations, I suppose, like a Hobson's choice, which is not really a choice at all. Have you ever heard of this? The phrase is said to have originated with Thomas Hobson, a livery stable owner born in Cambridge, England in 1544. Apparently, Hobson had an extensive stable of over 40 horses. Now, this gave the appearance to his customers that upon entry, they would have their choice of mounts when in fact, there was only one. Hobson required his customers to choose the horse in the stall that was closest to the door. This was to prevent the best horses from always being chosen, which would have caused those horses to become overused. So a Hobson's choice is a free choice in which only one thing is offered. Because a person may refuse to accept what is offered, the two options are taking it or taking nothing. In other words, it's what we often say in my house. You have two choices for dinner. You can take it or leave it. Well, initially, this is what it sounds like Jesus is saying. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Hmm. There is only one good choice. And how unlucky for me, the type A overachiever, super doer, that it seems to be the thing Mary chose. Well, lest we Marthas beat ourselves up too much, we would be remiss to not mention the story that precedes this one in the Gospel of Luke, the Good Samaritan. I know we are all familiar with this story where an expert in the law of Moses trying to justify himself asks Jesus to define neighbor. Jesus tells how the Good Samaritan helped a beaten man while others of the faith hurried by averting their eyes to not see. And then Jesus says of the Good Samaritan, go and do likewise. Did you catch that, Martha's? Jesus said, go and do, not sit and listen. We know that Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve others. The Gospel of John records Jesus actually washing the feet of his disciples as a tangible demonstration of what a true follower of Christ does in the world, marked by humility and service. Not to mention that hospitality is regarded as one of the highest values in their culture. In fact, 
Jesus and his disciples often relied on this hospitality to even do their ministry. Go team Martha. We also know that even in the midst of a very demanding ministry, Jesus made a habit of going away to a solitary place to be with God. Go team Mary. So it seems as though both contemplation and action are required for the Christian life. Perhaps one should pay attention to both the situation and to her habits in an effort to discern where the focus is needed. For example, if you have been just serving and doing without connecting to God, then you might want to take time to meditate alone with God. If you've only been contemplating, perhaps it's time to ask God for a nudge on what you might be able to go and do, even in the midst of a pandemic. Remember when the pandemic was just getting started, even before grocery delivery was a thing? Well, I read this story about a woman who was open to going and doing. She wrote, I went to the grocery store this afternoon, and as I was walking in, I heard a woman yell to me from her car. I walked over, and I found an elderly woman and her husband. She cracked open her window just a bit more, and she explained to me, nearly in tears, that they were afraid to go into the store, afraid to get sick as they were in their 80s and they had heard that this novel coronavirus is affecting older people disproportionately and that they don't have family around to help them out. Well, through that crack in the window, she handed me a $100 bill and her grocery list and asked if I would be willing to buy her groceries. I bought the groceries and placed them in her trunk and gave her back her change. She told me she had been sitting in that car for nearly 45 minutes waiting to ask the right person to come help her. And I wonder, would that right person have been you? Or would we have averted our eyes? Given today's culture, which rewards achievements, accomplishments, and busyness, I think we could all use a good word on contemplation or meditation. Paul Goodman observed that we have most hastily forsaken that which we most need, the fertile silence of awareness pasturing the soul. We are not immune at Church of the Palms, you know. One of the things I am most proud of of this church is how well we do for others. Serving is in our DNA, and that's a good thing. Just ask the families from Day of Hope or the folks who frequent our food pantry or the kids who have been tutored and read to on our campus and at Wilkinson School. But service alone is not quite enough. I like how one of our elders put it in a prayer that he shared with us as we prepared for worship a couple of weeks ago. He wrote, may all we do flow from our deep connection with you, O God. 
Of course, God delights when we spend time together, but is in this space where God will begin to answer the stirrings of our hearts, where God will give us insights that may be deeply practical and perhaps even mundane. Meditation can send us into our ordinary world with greater perspective and, and direction. It reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. When Alice came to a fork in the road, she stopped and asked the Cheshire cat sitting up in the tree which way she should go. He asked her where she wanted to go, and Alice said she didn't really know. Well, then, said the cat, it doesn't matter. Sitting in the presence of the holy will give clarity to what we are called to do next, helping us to see opportunities where we can share our love and our grace. Perhaps time with God could move us to respond like a teenager did in Georgetown, Tennessee. Again, during the early days of the pandemic, a senior adult ventured out to the grocery store. Lane McKeel had been shut in for some time, but his disability check had arrived and he needed some food and some other necessities. When he reached the checkout counter, his bill was $173. As he counted out his money, he was surprised to find himself $33 short. Ashamed and embarrassed, Lane quickly began grabbing things to put him back on the shelf. But the 17-year-old cashier, she stopped him, reaching for her purse. The teenager paid Lane's total bill out of her own money. When someone asked her why she did it, the young woman said, it was all essential stuff. We've seen a lot of older people, and they're all trying to buy groceries, and a lot of places have run out of stuff, and, and so older people are kind of taking the downfall for that. I just try to pay attention to opportunities where I can give back. How do we slow down the Martha pace enough to pay attention to not only what's in front of us, but also to what's around us? How do we see with God's eyes? I've read that Eastern meditation is an attempt to empty the mind However, Christian meditation is an attempt to fill the mind. It boldly calls us to enter into the living presence of God, listening for a sacred word for our life. The God who spoke the universe into being continues to speak to us today. In our information overload culture, we have lost the art of lingering over words. Reading often means gathering information, acquiring new knowledge, and even mastering a new field. Meditating with scripture is different. This is about allowing the text to read us. It is about cooperating with the Holy Spirit as we listen to the word with the ears of our heart. Someone once said that reading the Bible without meditating on it is like eating in a dream. In his book, Life of the Beloved, Henry Nouwen wrote that if we were to spend 30 minutes a day listening to the voice of love through a sacred text, 
we would begin to see ourselves as a blessing to God. Claiming our own blessedness always leads to a deep desire to bless others, to speak good things to and about them, to call forth their beauty and truth. The blessed one always blesses. It flows naturally from our hearts, and it starts by meditating and basking in the love of God. Well, there's a story about Grace Thomas, who was born in the early 20th century in Birmingham, Alabama. After getting married and moving to Georgia, Grace took a, checking, a clerking job in the state capital of Atlanta, where she developed a fondness for politics and the law. So although she was already a full-time mom and a full-time clerk, Grace enrolled in night school to study law. Well, Grace shocked her family by announcing that she wanted to run for public office, not for city council, but for governor of the state of Georgia. There were a total of nine candidates that year. Nine candidates, one issue. It was 1954, and the issue was Brown versus the, the Board of Education, that landmark decision that mandated a desegregating of schools. Grace Thomas was alone among the nine candidates to say that she thought this was a just decision. Her campaign slogan was, Say Grace at the polls. Hardly anyone did, though, and Grace finished dead last. In 1962, Grace ran for governor again. By then, the racial tensions in the South were far more intense than they had been eight years previously. Grace's progressive platform on race issues earned her a number of death threats. One day, she held a rally at an old slave market in a small Georgia town. Grace motioned to the platform where once human beings had been bought and sold like a commodity. And she said, the old has passed away, the new has come. A new day has come when all Georgians, white and black, can join hands and work together. A red-faced man interrupted her and blurted out, are you a communist? And she replied gently, why, why no? Well, then where'd you get all them galdurned ideas? Grace pointed to the steeple of a nearby church. I learned them over there in Sunday school. You see, Grace had spent time listening to the word of her Lord. What she heard changed her life and launched her on a very specific mission. Sounds kind of like Jesus, doesn't it? And I wonder which road God may be inviting you or me to go on. Seems like we might need to meditate a bit, listening to God's word and basking in that love so that wherever we go, all we do and say flows from a deep connection to our Lord and Savior. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for continuing to speak to us, even in 2020. We thank you for never giving up on us and for calling us 
and claiming us. We pray, O oh God, that you would continue to do what only you can do, to heal the hurts in this world and to call us into an even deeper love. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. There's a call that covers me When I kneel down at your feet It's a place of healing It's a place where I find freedom There's a place my eyes can't see where my spirit longs to be It's a place of healing It's a place I live in freedom I'm gonna lift my hands Till I can reach heaven I'm gonna shout your name Walls come falling down. I've come to worship. I've come to worship. There's a love that lives in me for you, Lord, my Savior, King, who breaks the sin that's binding. Leads me to the place of freedom. I'm gonna lift my hands till I can reach heaven. I'm gonna shout your name till the walls come falling down. I've come to worship. I've come to worship. I'm gonna sing my song like I am unashamed. I'm gonna shout for joy at the mention of your name. I've come to worship. I've come to worship. There's no one that can bring me peace, that can wash me clean like you. Lord, there's nothing in this world that can free me. You save my soul. I'm gonna lift my hands. I can reach and I'm gonna shout your name to the walls before I've come to worship.
Friends, as we meditate on God's word and bask in God's love, may all that we say and do flow from the connection that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen.